The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Beyond is brought to you by ForHims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormish. I am your host for this episode of Beyond, episode 563. I am joined this week by Tina Amini. Hello. Brian Altano. What's up? And Alex Osborne. Hey. A face you may not recognize, but a name you should if you read IGN. Uh, Alex has been a freelance writer for us. How long have you been writing for IGN? A little over three and a half years. That's a long time. And now uh, you're not just here as a writer of ours. You are officially part of the IGN team. You are our our homepage editor. So if you're wondering what's going on on the homepage, that's all Alex's fault. You can always blame him for why the story you love isn't number one on the page. (laughs) Uh, But if if you want it to be number one, keep clicking on it and Alex will put it there. Is that the trick? You just keep refreshing Yeah, you keep refreshing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know we had that power. Yeah, so Alex, uh, Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you coming from? So I'm coming from L.A. I was in L.A. for a year, moved out here um, after being on the East Coast. So I'm actually from Rhode Island originally. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. And uh, what, so people get a sense of the games you love, the entertainment you love. I know you're a big anime fan. Yep. Uh, Yeah. So So in addition to seeing my name for news and stuff the past few years, I've been doing a lot of anime reviews, My Hero Academia reviews, um, some movie reviews. And, um, yeah, so anime is kind of my bread and butter right now. It's kind of like an RPG without all the grinding. So I really <laughs> like that. Um, and then, yeah, and just news and that sort of stuff. So That is a great tagline for anime. I didn't yeah. think, like, the genre as a whole, the animation form needed that, but that works really well. Mm-hmm. like that a lot. Uh, we're super excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. You said you've been listening to IGN podcasts before for this. a very long time, yeah. Well, now you get to make a uh, monstrosity of an episode with us, because mm-hmm. we're going to just jump right into the <laughs> Let's episode. Let's do it. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about this week uh, in the world of PlayStation, and just gaming in general, there's a lot going on right now, obviously, with the crazy fall season. We're first going to go into the idea that you may have encountered a possible not great message on your PlayStation 4 recently. Uh, a lot of PlayStation 4 users have been hit with this malicious message exploit, and essentially a lot of people have been getting a message that has sort of a... 
it has a word, an emoji, and a string of random characters associated with it, and it's causing people's systems to kind of go haywire. Initially, people were saying their systems were being bricked. However, PlayStation sort of commented as people were addressing the issue and said, uh, specifically from the Ask PlayStation UK account, PlayStation said, we've fixed this issue. This was a few days after people started reporting it, and it wasn't bricking consoles, just sending them into a crash loop that can be quickly fixed in under five minutes. Delete the message on the PS mobile app, go into safe mode, use option five, whatever the option that may be, and the console will go back to normal. What is safe mode? There's a safe mode on PS4? Yeah, so uh, there's the real news. I had, yeah, I had no idea. Was, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of settings. So, like, as first a general thing, which I forget to do a lot, is like take the precautions that your system gives you mm-hmm. uh, when you first get it. It's like an easy thing to ignore. I haven't put two-factor authentication on half my accounts until like a year in. Right, but it's always like better be on all your IGN accounts. They are. I promise. Let me go check that real quick. Uh, it's like obviously this seems to be a pretty consistent thing that happens in the holiday seasons. We see a lot of hacks to like PSN and all these things, but this is a message exploit. Just getting the message and having it appear in your system, it causes this crazy crash loop. Yep. Um, and Which is better than it bricking the system, but just as terrifying for people who have no idea what that yeah, actually was. It's happening. slightly better than the worst thing that could happen to yeah, your system. Yeah, slightly better. But still not the best. <laughs> it's recoverable and you don't have to send it in, so that's pretty that's cool. That's much better, yeah. yeah. Uh, that gives me like nightmares of the old Xbox 360 days of them mailing you that coffin. Oh, for the you're Red Ring. To send, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. Red Ring. That was those are dark times. It's it's a pretty crazy thing, and luckily PlayStation has uh, mentioned, as we said in the comment, that they are working on a fix for it. Uh, they are looking into, I think, a software update as well to officially get rid of this bug because it may be hitting people. But obviously, if you haven't gotten this message yet, just in case, make sure all of your privacy settings are correct. Make sure only friends or even no one, don't let anyone talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, only your friends can send you messages. It is Maybe the hacker is your friend. Yeah. Oh, no. Maybe it's you. <laughs> the hack was coming from inside us all along. <laughs> uh, it is that weird thing of, I feel like as our systems continue to be more online, more interconnected with each other, like this can be more and more of a problem. It's really important to take those precautions. Do we hope that, do you guys think we'll see more from Sony in the future to protect your systems, especially with like PS5 and these name changes, which we'll get into a bit, and all the ways that PSN is changing? Yeah. What would you hope to see from them, if anything specific? Well, I mean, it's interesting because this was sort of a very simple hack, if you can even call it that. Um, and so you, it's it's hard to predict like when someone can come up with an exploit that's as simple um, and destructive as this. So I imagine it's going to be a kind of work in progress. I don't know if I have like expectations for safeguards against that mm-hmm. right out of the bat. I mean, historically, uh, a company even saying, you know, we're going through extra lengths to make sure that is, is almost seen as a challenge to hackers. I remember like with the uh, notoriously the Dreamcast, they were like, oh, hackers will never hack it. And they hacked it on the first day. Uh, so people will find a way no matter what. But I'm I'm glad that cat and mouse game keeps going because it means that ultimately things keep getting safer. But I think with so much infrastructure being built, as we'll talk about with the name change thing, on old ideas that Sony had, you know, sometimes dec- a decade ago, uh, we w- probably won't see a lot of this stuff change until the next PlayStation comes out. Um, for now, we're probably stuck with whatever infrastructure is there, which is kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> but like workaround fixes. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where before every Christmas, like I remind myself, make sure just all your accounts are put mm. on private or they're secure because mm-hmm. people really tend to hit around the holidays when people are getting new systems. So uh, cruel. 
yeah, it's it sucks for the <laughs> kids just opening their PS4 and here's all the things mm-hmm. that are going to go wrong with it. Uh, interestingly, the as we're recording right now, PSN is also dealing with some outages sort of across all of the services, whether it's related to this hack or them trying to fix it and put stuff sort of in the back end to fix it. Uh, they haven't said, but they're working on it. And just right before we came in, things were updating and back online and being secure. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see them addressing whatever problem that may be, but also these problems so quickly and so readily when we saw a lot of users on Reddit, especially... Uh, pointing to these problems. Right. Or you look at last gen where PSN was down for, you know, what felt like months at a time. I think it was weeks or maybe days. There was that great PSN out. Yeah. yeah. It was there was a there was a while where we had an article on IGN that said, is PSN down? And it mm-hmm. just said uh yes. I think we have that as a wiki page now for both Xbox Live and PSN. Oh that's awesome. Like, are these systems online? Yes yep. they are. It's yep. okay. Uh but immediately you'll always see our traffic spike whenever there's an issue. It's very weird. Yeah. Um thankfully PlayStation looks to be resolving this issue. It's nice that they've jumped on it so quickly and I think it's a sign that they're going to continue as we see a lot of changes to the PSN updates toward the end of the life cycle and a new life cycle kick in. It's nice to see them actually making all these changes and upping their security. Um if you're able to play your PSN, you're not having any issues, chances are you may have already played Spider-Man or you are getting ready to play the Spider-Man DLC. Uh, Shockingly, we have some more sales figures about Spider-Man. It sold well. What? Great. I know, right? It's it's quite the surprise. Uh, it was the number one downloaded game on the PSN for September. We previously learned that it sold 3.3 million copies in its first three days, which mm-hmm. was the fastest-selling PlayStation exclusive of all time. And luckily, we don't have to wait that much longer for new content. The first part of the three-pack of DLC, The City That Never Sleeps, is coming out on October 23rd, and we saw the first new suits. There are going to be yeah. three suits in this package. Uh, I want to know what you all think of these suits. They're the Scarlet Spider suit number two, or Scarlet Spider 2, uh, a brand new suit which was created by a Marvel artist named Gabrielle Delato. And then there is also the Spider UK suit, which is from the Spider-Verse collection. Uh, so what do you all think of these suits, first off, just how they look? They look glossy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Um, I like. I hate to say this, I th- this game peaked with the the sort of cel shaded animated you know Spider Man costume and I I never took that off once I got that it was just so fantastic I'm glad they keep adding more because that's really cool but uh, it I I I just want to say right now none of them will ever be better than that one that's <laughs> the best one I'm honestly like a classic Spidey look person and yeah I think that's just because I'm a traditionalist um, and it's cool because I'm I'm sure we've talked about this a thousand times you know on on here and on, and on the site but. Um, we, you can just match any kind of abilities to any of the suits, so it really is a purely aesthetic thing. Yeah. So I like to just like remain classic, or you know, go full on like naked Spidey. Why not? Mm-hmm. Just in the underwear. Alex, did you yeah. play Spider Man? I still haven't yet. <sighs> I know. Alex, I've been playing the moving game and oh yeah, just yeah. adjusting to a new job. So mm-hmm. what do you? What, I have a lot of catching up to do. What would you give moving out of ten? <laughs> <laughs> I give it a zero. Out zero of 10. out of ten oh, sounds yeah, about man. right. Too many loot boxes. <laughs> uh, we'll look forward to the DLC on that one. Uh, but in addition to the three suits the Spider-Man The Heist DLC. It opens with an art museum robbery that mixes up Spider-Man and Mary Jane with Black Cat. The DLC will include new story missions, crimes, challenges, trophies, thank God, and a new enemy faction. Uh, There was also a little bit of discrepancy with whether New Game Plus was coming out uh, the day you're listening to this episode, October 17th, if you're listening the day this comes out. Uh, Originally in the European version of the PlayStation blog, it said New Game Plus was coming out October 17th. That has since been removed, and Insomniac is just saying coming soon. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wonder why. If there were, the initial plan was for tomorrow, and then maybe it changed, and they just never updated the post. Right. Um, but I guess we'll find out. So, Actually, I like the way the game handled end gamey stuff yes. as is, because it did give you a sort of nudge to go back into the world and collect stuff. 
which I liked. I thought I it was at your own pace. Yeah, at your own which pace. Felt yeah. Good. yeah. It gave you that warning before the last mission that was like, this is it, no turning back. And then you finish the game, you go back and there's stuff to do. So I love that. Uh, if the New Game Plus details are true uh, that were originally in the European blog, it said it will include a New Game Plus, which has ultimate difficulty level, so a brand new harder difficulty. That rules. Uh, it will also have... Uh, It'll have all the story and activities that you're used to in the open world again. You'll have all your unlocked suits, skills, gadgets, mods, and benchmarks from the beginning. Uh, you'll also be able to unlock those final items while cleaning up your trophy list. Uh, it'll add two new trophies, one for finishing on Ultimate Difficulty and another for finishing a new game plus run. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I won't spoil anything, but there's a, a sort of like narrative parameter that changes about 70% of that game that makes the world harder. You guys know what I'm yeah, talking about, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but there's really no way to revisit that in any way it'd be cool if there was like a toggle for that to yes. kind of flip that back on yeah trying not to be no no i totally <laughs> go. there were a couple late game things that i wish you could do like i obviously understand there are limitations but i wish you could maybe limit uh you could change the time of day but not the weather necessarily yes and i realized probably some of the weather patterns were tied to different times of day yeah but i wish you could kind of alternate those as well yeah because you can you can change those post game or at least the time of day but not weather um so did we not get full month sales on on Spider-Man yet? So not yet. Uh, MPD for September hasn't come out yet as okay. of when we're recording. Uh, we only have that first three-day sales, and we won't obviously get numbers exactly. Then. And it was 3.3 million in three days? In the first three days, That's yeah. That, you know that sold more than the Wii U did in an entire life in Japan? <laughs> mm -hmm. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah. It's, it makes sense. We've been talking about even how like that cro that really interesting crossover between like entertainment and gaming content as far as like IGN goes uh, has just been such a killer for us, and we've been hitting out on both ends. So it makes sense to me that like, those would be the impression of sale numbers. No, I mean, this is a I, what I believe will be a financially successful year for Spider-Man related shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's a pretty good year. I yeah. mean, like even even Venom, which like a bunch of us saw, Tina, you and I saw it together and like we kind of walked out scratching our heads but laughing at some parts of it, mm -hmm. um, is a movie that's going to make a ton of money and then Into the Spider-Verse is going to make a ton of money and they put out a bunch of new comics and toys and like that's kind of brand synergy, I guess. And 100%. It's, it's sort of working for everybody. Spider-Man Far From Home is coming out next Year, yep. yeah, mm -hmm. it's a pretty good time to be a Spider Man. And he was in yeah. um, Infinity War. And yes. they have, yeah, they have a really great way of like weaving yeah. in all of those separate um, kind of like uh, aspects of the world yeah. into like different platforms. Yeah, Venom's kind of on Venom Island for now. For now, yeah, but yeah. I'm sure they'll bring that closer together. Yeah, uh, so I'm curious for uh, those of you who have beaten it and Alex, when you go into it, how do you feel in general though about having DLC this close to the launch of the game? We're only oh, I about I can't wait a month and a half out. Yeah, I, can't, I think I, it's smart. Because there's already been a bit of a drop off mm -hmm. because it is just a single player game. And I think the best way to, to do that is to follow it up. And we're getting another pack in November, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then another one in December. Yes. Yep. Um, and then maybe depending on how well that does, we might even see more or they might just go start working on a sequel. But um, I think it's really smart. I have a feeling we'll see like another another DLC pack next year to something maybe to, to coincide with the new film or anything like that. It would seem crazy not to jump on that success if these three DLC packs do well and to not next year have that opportunity to continue yeah. the experience. Yeah, uh, no, completely agree. They're calling the three packs of DLC together, which, as Alex mentioned, are coming out October, November, December success, successively. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Uh, they're called together the city that never sleeps. So there's almost like this is a mini comic book arc yeah. to it. And so I'm very curious to see if they want to do another comic book arc. Obviously, they have the full game 
game already there mm-hmm. to work I, into. I don't 100% a ton of games. I did with this game. I read the sort of trophy retention rates for this game were abnormally high. Yeah. People really went for that platinum. Um, so I imagine a bunch of people are just wanting to do more stuff in this game because it's just really fun. You'll see when you play it. Yeah. It's really fun <laughs> to just get around and do stuff in this game. Well, it's yeah. also everything is so consistent. Like there's yeah. there's a level of familiarity with it where like most games I jump in and I, I play after like a week of not playing and I'm like, oh, how do you even do things? Mm-hmm. What were what was the last quest I was on? And you know, what were the, some of the side missions I could do? But I felt very familiar with the environment because it was just like very consistent across yeah, the board. Yeah, it's just so, it's just like moving around in that game is awesome. They mm-hmm. nailed it. And so much fun to just, even like when, and you know, we were pretty vocal on this show and, and spoiler cast and stuff about how there is, some tedium to some of the side missions and some of them aren't very well designed but moving around in them is always is always fun and fluid and like yeah. i think that's that's a thing i just can't stop wanting more of that's your retention rate yeah there we go mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to see, they've talked a little bit about how these DLC packs are supposed to be fully fledged, like these are new entries in the game's world, they're going to have, you know, actual story content to them, it's not just going to be you walk over to one person, I assume, and it's like, here's seven new missions, go enjoy. Do you, how much though do you think they can pack into this, given sort of like that quick timetable that we're under, with the game having just come out? Um, I don't know, because it, it seems like, (laughs) this is a tough one to answer, right, because it's like, you would assume that uh, anything that they're putting here was stuff that they didn't keep in the main game. Um, but is that devious? You know, like I see that that sort of that reception a lot online where people see DLC and they're like, oh, you guys held back content. And it's like, well, no, I mean, maybe that didn't fit in the narrative of the big story. And then they have a they have a reason to hold on to it now. Or I don't think it's something. Yeah, they ran out of time. I don't think it's something they crunched through in the last month. Mm-hmm. You know, do we know where it fits in the story? If it's if this is all after the events, yeah, I definitely I think the expectation is you've probably finished the game, but I don't know. They may find a good way to weave it in, obviously without wanting to spoil it for you or for anyone who hasn't played at home. There is Black Cat has a presence in the main game, so it's not a huge surprise. We've joked a bit about how the DLC initially read for this Black Cat's back in town, as if she was ever in town in the first place in the game. Right. But there, you do understand that she exists in this world, so they may find a way to smartly integrate it into that whole story, or it may just be a little thing under the main menu that you'll be able to jump into. Luckily, we don't have to wait too long for the first pack of Spider-Man DLC. It's coming out October 23rd, as we said. You can look forward to more coverage of it as we actually get to play it. Uh, really looking forward to that one. If, however, there's something a little bit more in the future you may be looking forward to, a bit of a nebulous timetable, but if you've made some bad choices in the past with your PSN account, good news, you can finally fix that. Uh, PSN name changes are actually finally coming after years of wishful thinking and praying to Shuhei Yoshida, and just in general, a, a general hope among PlayStation fans to be able to change PSN names. PlayStation announced you're finally going to be able to do that. There will be sort of a, uh, the first one is free. I'm going to pull out the full details for it. You'll be able to change your name for the first time for free, and then it costs $10 for every change after, or if you're a PS Plus member, it will cost you $5. So first of all, uh, this has been news I think everyone's expected for a very long time. How do we all feel about that? And do you guys have embarrassing PSN names? I don't think mine's embarrassing. <laughs> mine's just super boring. It's just my name, so I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good way to go. Um, mine's a Farsi word for berry, uh, so I'm fine with it. It's on everything, so mm-hmm. I like that it's consistent across the board. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm going to keep it. Yeah, I'm just glad this is finally happening. I saw some people being like, why would you ever need to change it? And it's like, you're a 
different person in middle school oh, yeah. than you are yeah. in college. You know, it's been a while for a lot of those people who've had those names for a very long time. There's something charming about keeping like, uh, you know, a little a little piece of yourself from them. That's true. Though. That's true. Unless you're embarrassed by it, in which yeah. case. I'm super sweet idea. Sora 16 will be mine forever. Mm-hmm. That, please, that, that's not <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, that's going to be your new one. Yeah, it's going to be my new Yeah, I'm going to change it for free. Absolutely. I'm wondering where the justification for charging money comes in. That said, it's uh, free for the initial one. So, yes, yeah. Like, Which is the setup for the Xbox uh, analogous version. Of yes, it. yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I guess you have a chance now to make things right. So do that. <laughs> And one screw it up again, then yeah. spend five or ten bucks and fix it. Well, and even just the information that we're getting, it makes it clear why we've been waiting for so long. And it seems like Sony, there's no, there's no easy way to do this. Right. And it's like, how can we come up with a solution that doesn't have so many rough edges and it still has a ton of rough edges. So they've been probably trying to sand those down for years. And this is the best they've been able to come up with for so long. Yeah. So in the announcement post about it, uh, obviously this news broke naturally right after we recorded the show the morning after last week. So uh, forgive us for doing a little bit of catch up, but uh, there will be a beta that'll allow some users to finally change their IDs. And then there will be a later full rollout for everyone. But the thing is you will be able to uh, show your new ID alongside your previous idea to help your friends recognize you. But once you've decided, to do that, you won't be able to switch between showing or not showing your old ID. So once you make the decision either to show it or not to show it, you won't be able to reverse that decision. Oh, wow. You got to commit. It's like a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, These PSN ID changes are compatible with PS4 games originally published after April 1st, 2018, and a large majority of the most played PS4 games that were released before this date. Uh, I think one of the key things there is the use of PS4. Uh, that was a direct quote from the PlayStation blog, specifically PS4 games. Chances are this is not going to be really compatible with PS3 or Vita games. Interesting. Is the expectation. Uh, they will announce sort of a list of those games closer to the launch of this whole system. But for now, it seems like this to me is a very forward-looking mm-hmm. service and rather not one that'll change the entirety of PlayStation as it's been. Uh, and it's important to note not all games and applications from all systems are in guaranteed to work with this you may occasionally encounter errors in certain games and if you encounter an error you can switch back to your old id to show it oh wow yeah Yeah. so how do we feel about all those caveats for Uh, the system it sounds like people are going to be finding uh wonderful little loopholes around this for a very long time or 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 you know sort of potholes i'd say instead yeah how Um, bad do you really want to change your name yeah yeah this sounds this sounds dicey yeah, for me, I think it's very much a thing of like when the stage is set for the PlayStation 5 or whatever the successor is, this is helping so that from day one of that system, you'll be able to fix that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do we feel in general? I'm curious what you all think. We're seeing a lot of these PlayStation Network and just PlayStation changes in general with this, with PlayStation now letting you download PS2 and PS4 games uh, offline. We're seeing them doing a beta for crossplay after keeping that stance for so long if we're not going to do this. How do we feel about all these changes coming so late in a console's life cycle? I- I think it kind of speaks to Sony's strengths and Sony's weaknesses. Sony's always been known as hardware first. They're a hardware, hardware manufacturer where Microsoft with Windows, that's their strength. Mm-hmm. So they had that groundwork laid early on with Xbox Live when all that was launched. Right. And Sony's been sort of doing patchwork stuff ever since PSN with P- PS3. So, um, yeah, a lot of it, I think, is just sort of patching those mistakes and trying to um, cover up and fix what needs to be fixed. And hopefully a lot of those old things from PS3 and those issues um, will no longer be an issue because all of those games are so old and, and sort of those old infrastructures will be phased out. But um, it'll be interesting. I'm just curious to see, yeah, 
how much of an overhaul we will see with PlayStation 5 and whatever their new operating system and network yeah, looks like. I was going to say, this feels like they're starting to workshop stuff for PlayStation 5. Like, their course-correcting mistakes they've been making for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, of which there are several. But I think that, like, this is them sort of saying, like, hey, let's try this out. Let's Like, right now, if people are downloading games through PS Now in great numbers, that might be something they really look into for PlayStation 5. Um, if they find there's not a lot of, like, excitement around that, then maybe it's not a feature they'll, pursue, they'll like, actually look for. So, um, yeah, it, we are we're ramping up to the tail end of a console generation. Um, slowly but surely, and we are getting new console reveals. Probably, I would say, what next year at E3, we'll hear something. And yeah. that's. If not at like specific events, because Sony had their own dedicated PlayStation reveal event. And I think right. we're seeing a lot of yeah, that so stuff outside of E3, mm-hmm. and then a game focus. So it could be as early as like pre June next year. Oh, man. Because like Sony really sprung it on us with. PS4. I think PS4 was like a February announcement. Yeah, yeah they did that That's New York right. event in February. That's right. Yeah. Or yeah, given remember that event. given the publishing uh, cycle of the show, they'll probably announce it tomorrow morning after we've reported. <laughs> that feels like just our luck. Oh yeah. yeah. But uh, so you can look forward to that news six days after. Yes. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me for the first half of the show. We're going to take a very quick break, but we will be right back. We interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not so fun fact: sixty six percent of men lose their hair. By by age 35, and by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost, so why not do something about it? 4hems.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily, with Hims, there's no waiting rooms, no awkward in-person doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhymns.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhymns.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. Uh, how do shows work? <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> what happened in that intermission? <laughs> Quite a lot, let me tell you. Uh, Beyond and hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond episode 563. You may notice if you're watching the video version, you're about to hear a difference in the audio version. Alex Osborne has disappeared and transformed into our producer, Barrett Courtney. Hello. How you doing, Barrett? I'm doing all right. I'm really tired and I'm sleepy and everything hurts, but we're going to do a show, a all second half right. of a show. Sounds like go. a normal day with Barrett. Uh, why do we keep letting you on the show? Anyway, uh, we have a lot to talk about in the second half of the show. The first thing that we want to jump on is a bit of a big topic, especially with Red Dead Redemption coming out in just a couple of weeks. Uh, week and a half. Is it really that yeah, quick? I don't, I don't know how time works anymore. Uh, I'm shuffling. Five months ago, it, it feels like just <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Uh, I'm shoving a lot of papers because there was a lot coming out of a recent interview with uh, Dan Hauser from Rockstar Games, uh, including a quote that got some clarification on it uh, shortly after the interview with Vulture came out with Dan Hauser. Uh, And during that interview, Dan Hauser said, as part of the interview, we were working 100-hour weeks, is one of the quotes that he had. 
at some point during this year, he nebulously addressed the fact that some members of the team were working 100-hour weeks. Uh, mm. That story came out. The interview came out. We didn't really know the context of that, how many people were working in those 100-hour weeks. What for exactly? how long. Yeah. yeah, for how many weeks that actually lasted. Were they what, compensated? Yeah, what the context of all of that was. And then uh, shortly after that interview came out, uh, Rockstar and Dan Hauser released a full statement, and I'll read a bit of it right now. It says, There seems to be some confusion arising from my interview with Harold Goldberg, the Vulture interview. The point I was trying to make in the article was related to how the narrative and dialogue in the game was crafted, which was mostly what we talked about, not about the different processes of the wider team. After working on the game for seven years, the senior writing team, which consists of four people, Mike Unsworth, Ru Rupert Humphreys, Laszlo, and myself, had, as we always do, three weeks of intense work when we wrapped everything up. Three weeks, not years. We have all worked together for at least 12 years now and we feel and we feel excuse me sorry there's a typo here and feel <laughs> we need this to get everything finished and so many years of getting things organized and ready on this project we needed this to check and finalize everything uh the quote continued to go on more importantly we obviously don't expect anyone else to work this way across the whole company we have some senior people who work very hard purely because they're passionate about a project or their particular work and we believe that passion shows in the games we release but that additional effort is a choice and we don't ask or expect anyone to work anything like this lots of other senior people work in an entirely different way and are just as productive. I'm just not one of them. No one senior or junior is ever forced to work hard. I believe we go to great lengths to run a business that cares about its people and to make the company a great place for them to work. Uh, so a larger discussion kind of came out of this quote and the original interview about the nature of crunch in the industry, which uh, the right. use of the term crunch, for those who may not know, is just a shorthand for the idea that toward the end of development on a lot of games, developers often have to work extremely long hours, right. weekends, a lot of overtime for things uh, to get those games done by the time limits that have been set up by release dates and by companies and everything. And there's been a lot of talk about this this year, uh, specifically with that and unionization. So, And this isn't just like a rockstar thing. This is like a general like kind of industry discussion that's been going on. Well, of, this... Like, most notably spilled out from the Telltale layoffs right. fallout that just happened recently. And like all the personal stories that came out after that. And exactly. Whatnot, so. And I think that once you sort of release those people from, you know, the the infrastructure that they were kind of strapped to, right. they start to be a little more honest and they go like, hey, by the way, like that sucked. Yeah. Like we love, we're proud of our work and we love the games, but people at Telltale were like, this was unreasonable. Mm. Um, and so I find... The follow-up quote interesting because it's effectively saying, look, we uh, we didn't mandate this. Mm. Um, only a few of us did this. But it's hard to clock that in company culture because you don't know exactly if a couple people at the top, whether or not they're saying it to other people, are sort of quietly dictating it to everyone else just by their own actions. Mm. Like if all five of us or four of us all walk to a restaurant at the same time and I started going really fast – um, some of you might pick up your pace to keep up with me, yeah. right? And then others might drag behind. But I think most of you would be like, oh, Brian's walking fast. I guess we should all kind of walk a little fast. Maybe he thinks we need to get to the restaurant early. That's not a great metaphor, but what it's explaining <laughs> is that- It's a some, metaphor. Though. Depends yeah, on what restaurant we're Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, in and out. And what it, what it says is that in okay. some scenarios, without actually dictating, this is what everyone in this company needs to do, mm. company culture sort of exudes this 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 thing where you find this weird line between uh, work and, and passion and yeah. um, this shared goal where you're all working together on one similar project. And then when you come for air, you go, oh, uh, I've only showered once in three days and I haven't seen my kids. And, yeah. you know, a hundred hour week that if you, you know, subtract the amount of times I'm sleeping and, and eating and everything like that, that means I have about an hour to myself 
myself a day, maybe, and I'm spending that brushing my teeth. Yeah. You know? Well, so there's a lot, there's like a lot going on with, with this topic. Um, One is like managerial perception, what kind of cultural, um, uh, company culture tones you're setting. The other is crunch overall, you know, it as an industry kind of problem that's, that's coming more into the conversation. And that's the third part. The third part being that in general, the way that we talk about crunch, we've kind of accepted and internalized this is a problem because it used to be a badge of honor. People used to say like, I worked this many hours, you know, during the last. Do you remember Rise? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like three six. Yeah. When when Rise launched on Xbox One, um, I believe it was the studio head tweeted out like, "Oh, we've ordered thousands of pizzas for late night dinners," and people were like, "That's not something to brag about." Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the first instances that we've seen it on a public basis, like to that extreme degree where people said, "Well, actually, maybe that's not a great thing. Like, it's great that people were fed, but it's not a great thing that you like the the process by which games are made sort of necessitates that kind of structure." and so it's it's an interesting like cultural shift that we're experiencing in that community in that industry uh, where people are rejecting that finally. And I yep. think um, this quote on its own, and I think it's interesting that like Dan Hauser and the team at Rockstar felt that it needed clarifying, is an indicator of that. I don't think that uh, I don't I don't know that necessarily he was trying to indicate it as a badge of honor. I think he was trying to describe like the scope, the depth of the game, which is often how crunch was used um, as it's not it's a badge of honor because you put that much work into it. But it's a badge of honor because you're saying what you're trying to say is our game is going to be great because yeah. we put so much work into we're it. Deeply passionate. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. it's just it just wasn't the right kind of quote for this time in 2018 where right. people are really thinking about crunch in that kind of. And way. it's definitely like the industry, at least on the actual development developer side is trying to heal itself like I, I know from personal like making my own YouTube videos back in the day of like bragging about doing like 16 video edit like work like our work sections where I would like do a super big video edit it in just one sitting and my girlfriend would come home at like seven at night and she'd be like did you leave that seat at all today right. like no and then it but when you're in it you don't really notice of like oh I need to care for myself because it is that weird, like you get into the mentality of like, I'm so passionate about this, this is gonna be dope. Oh, I just came up with this new idea. So it's hard to like make your, like heal yourself when you're in the moment. And I think the industry is finally getting to the like, like, oh, we just got out of that 16 hour edit session. Let's actually like, take care of ourselves and right right and like you know this is not just something that's indicative of the video game industry this is office culture in general in 2018 is effectively trying to keep you in that chair as long as possible there's catered breakfast sometimes there's lunch there's dinner um there's daycare you know there's maybe there's massages and stuff like that there's all these sort of perks that eventually if you roll them into each other like we live in san francisco this is a city rife with companies that are doing everything they can to get you to work from the second you start your day to the second you go to sleep Uh, google historically uh, created its own basically transit line in San Francisco that workers are expected to get on those buses and open their laptops and connect to the Wi-Fi on the bus and during their entire commute start working and that's you know 8 9 a.m. Well so so Facebook has that culture as well but like if your start time starts at like 9 a.m. and you're on the bus commuting so you don't waste any time commuting isn't Mm -hmm. that better? Maybe. Because then if I live an hour away from the office and I spend an hour of my, I wake up an hour earlier, I spend an hour of my day just commuting and I'm not doing any work. I mean, likely I'm on my phone doing whatever amount, you know, through Slack or whatever. But if I can actually clock in from when I'm on the train 
I don't know. I don't mind that person. What if that hour was yours? <laughs> you, you it is book. mine. I sleep another hour. Well, okay. So, so you're saying the idea is my office is, is getting my on office the bus is fluid. Nine. Yeah, you mm-hmm. get on the bus at nine as opposed to you have to be at the office at nine. Okay. So I start working the same time. It's just I don't lose that commuting. Are hour. you leaving at four? No, because, well, I See? suppose you would leave at four and then by the time you get home, you can clock out at five. Yeah. Well, Ideally, yeah. right? Map well, of these hypothetical buses yeah. aside. I think like, I'm looking yeah. for the IGN bus. Exactly. No, I think I think <laughs> all of this is in an ideal scenario. <laughs> that would be. A, I'm totally yeah. with you. That's a that's a perfect it's that example. It can't be abused. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. it can't be the expectation. Well, you get an extra hour from your employees on either side. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very delicate balance between like trying to ensure that your employees have a lot of perks so that they're more comfortable and allevi- like alleviated of those other responsibilities so that when they're at work they can focus on work. I'm totally fine with that. It's so that it's for the instances that they don't get abused as yeah. a like, well, you get this and therefore you should work harder. Right. right. Yeah. I imagine this game is going to ship. It's going to sell millions as, as expected. But I imagine that, you know, as what always happens when a project is completed, a bunch of people will leave that studio to go on to do something else, not right. because of any ill will necessarily, but because they're like, I'm done here. Let's see what else is out there. Yeah. And I think when that happens, if there is a deep reality to all of the stuff here a lot of these stories will come tumbling out and i think that's what the point where people will start saying like yeah. hey i'm coming up for air here i was at rockstar for five years and this is what happened and the same thing we saw with telltale right a lot of those stories were sort of under lock and key until people said oh i don't have to do this anymore oh okay well that that sucked yeah <laughs> you know? so i think the difference there is that there's the managerial perception that you mentioned um but then there's also like the the kind of tones that you're setting so that's a tone that you're setting but then what you're also potentially talking about with crunch that gets um that becomes part of the involvement is that you have to be really careful about your scheduling so i actually asked um a developer an anonymous developer that i have quotes from that kind of like has been at a triple a studio so has experience with this kind of thing and um, exclusive exclusive <laughs> Uh, so uh, this person had said, when a company doesn't have leadership that prioritizes minimizing crunch, or when you have a creatively driven company where the creators are left to make all the scheduling and scope decisions, and or whenever you've got a AAA uh, quality and quantity content under strict deadlines, such as a Sony or EA marketing strategy that developers agreed to meet a year out, then crunch becomes pretty much inevitable. Um, and every company wants to make the best game they can, and there's no blueprint for making a game, even if it's a knockoff of an already existing concept. Creative work is uncertain and cannot be scheduled. And then on top of that, uh, you have people who are driven and passionate and also have issues where they're trying to prove themselves in a competitive industry and you inevitably get crunch. And so what he's talking about is, um, I mean, it's partly like release dates. It's partly internal deadlines and people crunching towards those. And you really can't plan for creativity. You see yeah. it even with with <clears throat> what the work that we do. Like We're scheduling features out right now for the rest of the year to right. try to be as efficient as possible. But you know, a smart producer manager requires some amount of flexibility within that scheduling to understand, well, you know, an idea might change or something might pop up. We might have to chase down a trend. And so these things change. Um, Also with video games, there's billions of moving parts and you know, your main character could just constantly get stuck in the floor a week before the game ships and they're like uh <laughs> well yeah. i mean that is the reality of any creative entertainment industry and we see this a lot with movie and tv right. schedules of you hear any actor who talks about production sometimes they do have 18 hour days where they start filming at 4 a.m and finish at 10 p.m or they have mm-hmm. these crazy schedules and things but i think a lot of what comes with this talk about crunch in the gaming industry is also those entertainment other entertainment industries also have unions. a lot of unions yeah. and unionization yeah. and 
sort of these laws protecting the people working from at least the really, really negative impacts of this. Mm -hmm. Or if there is overtime, if there is something like crunch that they're still taken care of and compensated in some sort of way. And, and, and yeah. the there's big... that guarantee of it. Yes, yeah. Whereas exactly. like we don't know, maybe there were other people at Rockstar or obviously with Telltale. Telltale. Seen, we don't know in every individual case when people are not and are being compensated fairly for that. Obviously right. you can tell based on the tenor of certain conversations when that is not happening mm -hmm. um, and when it is more, it feels like there's the pressure to do so the which is why it's great that the communication is becoming a little bit more fluid and it's becoming accepted that you know this is a situation that we have to actually right. solve and we can't use as a badge of honor anymore i totally agree and the unionization thing is a really interesting angle because it is something that's being talked about more and more in video games and we don't really have that and if you've been listening to shows like this for a very long time um you've probably heard stories of like that you know that that reckoning that we had during the ps3 era where the entire effectively middle shelf of the video game industry collapsed. The yeah. THQs and all of that just disappeared. And but hey, THQ Nordic is bringing it all back. They're you know? all coming back. <laughs> um, but we saw, we there was a while there where we were reporting layoff stories every other day at yeah. IGN constantly. And it was like a really depressing time. And the cool thing is that, you know, in lieu of unionization, the video game industry is very adaptive and they're very sort of like protective of their own. Yeah. And every time I see someone get, I, I saw even with the Telltale thing, a bunch of those people got snatched up immediately. Some of them yeah. were snatched up to work on the DLC on Spider-Man that we, we were talking about. Um, that's good to see in lieu of a system that protects them, um, but it's not enough. Yeah, we've seen this year in particular, it feels like at least since that era that you were mentioning, Brian, it does feel like there have been a lot of more studio closures or a lot of issues where we're seeing just en masse layoffs yeah. of people having to leave studios. And if there is any upside to seeing those things, it is seeing that positive reaction that the gaming industry has come together in lieu of laws to mm -hmm. be able to help each other sort of like by the group. Uh, one of the questions I have for all of you, though, is especially on the consumer side of things, obviously people who are, want to buy Red Dead or games made by Telltale people in the future or other, what can they do and what responsibility, if any, do you think they have to help counteract these issues? That I, I've, been, in I've been battling that, yeah. like, personally, because, yeah. like, this is this is the biggest game we're covering all year here at IGN. Obviously, it's the one that tracks the most. Uh, we, we, you know, you and I have seen, like, very, very private previews of this game, and it's, like, it's mind-blowing mm -hmm. it's amazing <laughs> i can't wait to play it mm -hmm. it this stings like this feels icky yeah. you know i don't know the best word for it, it so just, we don't know the scope of it though like yeah you no, and, that's, or, that, no. That's, and that's i know because you make the point of like once this project is like over and done and they're clean if there are stories that come out about it later maybe it's just maybe we play it now but maybe we don't support them for red dead online or like stuff like that i don't know it's it, again it is a weird situation of like it's between a rock and a hard place of like, I don't know what to do and how to f yeah, help I mean, this. Hundreds of people worked on this product for years, very, very hard. And yeah. some of them maybe worked 100 hour weeks and others didn't. And do I send a message and don't buy the game and punish them yeah. for working on it? Because it's the um, same thing with like the alleged David Cage stuff that was like going on in their offices. And there are a lot of people who are asking, like, do I support Detroit Become Human? Because like the people who like still had a bad time, possibly had a bad time in that studio, like they still put a lot of passion into yeah. it or do I uh, not buy it to send a message to that kind of weird office stuff that they they had going on? 
it, it's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's not cut and clear and black and white as well, we want it to be. I know our wikis and guides team will probably work a hundred hour week covering Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's just a weird reality of all this is that this is the time of year where all of us are like up earlier and you know home later with our laptops open thinking about stuff. Yeah, yeah I work nights and weekends. Does that make you guys feel weird? It makes me yeah. not want to visit IGN. <laughs> <laughs> but I go home to do it. Does that make a difference? Well, if, if you're like, if you're leaving the office yes. and you take the work home, I don't, if you I don't, don't, I don't know. Do I don't know. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was working on a script at eight o'clock this morning. Cause I woke up and I made coffee and I'm like, I have some ideas and I started writing it out and I don't That's know. That's because of the passion. And yeah. The drive. It's passion and yeah. caffeine. Yeah. And like, I, <laughs> that, that doesn't mean like you guys should boycott my work. I don't, it's, it's fucked up, man. Hashtag boycott Brian. <laughs> Please do that. I think it's, it's, it's a case Start by case basis. And I think it's really a matter of, you know, is someone crunching because they're, they actually like derive some kind of, um, not, I don't want to say pleasure, but like, you know, they, they feel success. They feel pr- productive like a when pride they're there. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Of, I mean, not of like the actual grinding, but of the work being of produced. the work that is yeah. exactly. And so, you know, for Dan Hauser, he can kick back. He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't yeah. need to be in the weeds, like looking at the writing and finishing up polishing on this game. He absolutely doesn't need to. He can delegate all of that. He has millions. He's right. fine. He's comfortable. I guess, I guess <laughs> this, this this came like a few weeks or a few days after a lot of the previews started tumbling out, which is like, oh, the horse's testicles get smaller in the cold. And yeah. like, Every part of the saddle animates individually. And Maybe I, that was Dan Hauser's doing specifically. Well, and so well, that, yeah, that was kind of like the, the there was a running sort of joke about that on social media where people were like, okay, well, like if if that's what it took to get those things, and maybe have people work seventy hour weeks or sixty hour weeks, and the balls stay the same size the whole game, <laughs> yeah. like. I don't know. Well, and there Some is stuff to think about. There is yeah. a really, and think it's frustrating. <laughs> there is so much gray, uh, like gray area when it comes to not just whether or not this happened with Rockstar, but just endemic with the industry itself. Of as you were mentioning, Tina, the idea that people do work extra hours because they're passionate about a thing, and then versus where a co- specific corporate culture can make them feel pressure to work, or worse, right. a mandate. Yes, yeah. which exactly. I think was is like a very antiquated thing. Hopefully, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, for the most part, and that's yeah. why like the the cultural shift towards that conversation is important. But to your point, I have another quote. Um, Exclusive. Yeah, these are kind World of premiere. fragments from a conversation. So you know, apologies if they seem a little bit disjointed from the conversation. Tina does her research. This is yeah, I, yeah. I try. I try. <laughs> um, so this quote is: I don't think people are comprehending exactly what seven years of development means regarding content and bugs and QA in an open world game with that much content. That's insane. They would need to wrap the game up one year in advance just to bug test and fix the game perpetually every day for a year to get that thing cleaned up and ready for launch. I'm just trying to illustrate how insanely complex the job is that they've put together, um, which in turn implies a ton of work to be able to polish a game of that density. So it's true. It, you know, We've seen the game in action. Um, I think it was about a month ago. And it, it is very dense. And there are a lot of details. And there are, meaning there are a lot of instances in which like something can break um, right. and, and kind of like ruin the experience. And so it does require that level of attention. And so what that means is that up to a year before a launch, you need to prepare for that. Mm. So you need to like not set a release date prematurely. Mm-hmm. I mean, any release, most release dates that we see seem like every day they get delayed. And so it's just yeah. that's one of the things towards um, pushing towards uh, an industry that is grappling better with crunch because it's it's too much of a necessity. It was too much of a necessity. It still continues to be. Um, I'm glad that it's part of the conversation so that people are looking towards solutions. Right. And yeah. if something isn't polished, we, you know, we're all guilty of it. We have a tendency to latch onto those things and let them define the story. We saw with that one Assassin's Creed game. It was a beautiful open world game. They worked on it for years. Unity. And, yeah, Unity. Yeah. Which I really liked and I didn't have any of those <laughs> problems. And we're like, oh, the guy's <laughs> face is invisible. Or like, yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, but we, like, we mo-capped like horses and like, you know, 
we got their balls down and everything like that. And like we worked. <laughs> but you pre- love it. We, everyone loves it. Our readers yeah. loved it. But yeah. we Brian, love it. That was like, pre yeah. ball physics, you know. That, like that it's was... weird when, when I, <laughs> shrinkage ability. When I think about the last Red Dead game, the first image that pops in my head, and this is how like crazy this is. The first image when I think of the last Red Dead game is that donkey woman. You guys remember that? There was a glitch in the last Red Dead oh, game. Oh, yeah. Where there was a she woman. She was half-half. Yeah, yeah, She has like a, it's like a woman walking around town with a donkey face. What? And I was like. Yeah. That was amazing. That's like, so they, that's, that's whole like a charming game. bug, though. I know, that's I know. a great bug. So, but I, I was before. debating this with another um, developer this morning, and I was talking about, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm. What if there was no crunch in that game? And then, like, by the end of it, you know, the conversation had totally shifted to just that game looks like garbage. The animations are terrible. Right. It looks awful. Um, and I, I, there was a lot of divisiveness in, in that, uh, you know, the reception of that game, I would say. But still, like, you know, it's, it's making that balance between making sure that the creative people have a reasonable amount of time to hit their deadlines where there's room for that flexibility because it's just so unpredictable when you're talking about Mm -hmm. creative work well because the other parameters are you move the release date which means that a bunch of people don't hit their you know q4 investment strategy repercut whatever so those (laughs) need to be flexible and then you have producers that are kind of like you know the bottleneck for these things and so producers need to say okay well you know talk to an artist well you know what we really that deadline's coming up it's just not worth it so that that art is just gonna have to stay the way that it Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. but then there might be a giant reddit thread where like look at this garbage art like last year's caliber you know art on this was so much better than this year's and, right you right know, like it's it's so difficult to say because you don't want to get caught up on that one one detail so it's it's a lot to balance and i think ultimately what we're all trying to say is it's a very complex nuanced conversation crunch is bad yeah. and quotes are hard yeah and, yeah <laughs> especially like force mandated crunch there are a lot of people on twitter over the weekend talking like sharing more personal stories in the industry in general uh and there are like uh some stories i read about like mandated like working 24 hours straight uh mm-hmm. type of crunch and that stuff is absolutely not okay but you know it again it's a weird like it varies and uh, that story i think was like from 15 years ago or something so hopefully the industry has gotten better since then is it better to sell a janky game for 30 bucks i mean it worked for PUBG, right <laughs> yeah. like that's a really fun game but like you know but it was that's a not even rougher. a solution because no. 60 dollars yeah. is already still not apparently paying the bills no it's not but i mean if you can knock off a year or two of of crunch and just put out some, like uh, will gamers be more sort of like embracing of something like that or Again, maybe we, we've set the expectation already i mean look look at possible. reddit it looked amazing but we, we were talking about like unionization in hollywood and movies and stuff like that and, and you know we a bunch of us saw venom which is mm. very clearly a movie that needed a little more time in the edit bay and maybe some new scenes shot but ultimately it was 10 bucks it was like a fun two hours I just want to bring up that this is the second time you've brought up this movie in this show today this <laughs> yeah. loves it brought to you by Venom <laughs> no uh, no because I, th- I think it's a great example of something that's like it's 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 successful and it's popular uh, critically it's kind of all over the place yeah um, but I think most people were just sort of like that was kind of messy but you know it was a good time but I think with video games quality standards especially Rockstar I mean like that's that's fucking through the roof. Yeah, quality standards are really high there, so I think there's an, a level of expectation. So, in the wider yep. entertainment world, I also think like Marvel can kind of get away with some things. You know, like mm-hmm. Venom is a title that can get away with being a little sloppy and still get a sequel. Other ones where it's an unfamiliar, you know, IP character, whatever you want to call it, right. like would not maybe get that same chance. Yeah. So it's different pressures. It's just so nuanced this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the problem is the conversation extends so far, and I think whether it's about these comments that are going on that people are debating, or just other comments about other studio cultures we've heard about, on their side of things, obviously there needs to be there start 
there needs to be a start to structures being put into place that protect the people who are working on these games. That's, right. I think, clear and evident to most people. And obviously, you as the consumer can't necessarily be like, I'm going to start enacting a law. But what you can do, I think, is, and what we can do as journalists in this industry, is to continue having this discussion. I think it's a conversation that we can't let stop mm -hmm. just because there is a reply to one comment or because one studio has a certain statement about it. I think we need to continue having that conversation. One last question for you guys. Yes. If they offered to pay you overtime for every hour, which I don't think is like really part of this conversation at all. Is this a justifiable act? If you're opting in. If you're opting in. If you're opting in, yeah. yeah. Then it's yeah, cool. It's, yeah. So maybe maybe that's an option. 100-hour work weeks, but you get paid. <laughs> I mean, there you, are, Well, you have to sign on to the 100-hour work week. Right, so, like, there, yes. you know, in the, in the editorial world, um, people have to work weekend shifts. Not everyone likes to do that. Some people do for whatever reason. You know, they. I worked with someone whose uh, wife is is a midwife, and so she, like, has weird hours, hospital hours, and so, like, it works for him to work on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And so, and he gets, like, he's opted into that. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so it's different structures for different people. Yeah, totally agree. And I think, obviously, we're ahead of Red Dead Redemption 2's release. It hasn't come out yet. And Barrett, as you were saying, who knows what the conversations will be five years after this game releases. We'll have to see at some point. Uh, moving on, though, we can talk about a game that is actually out. You can play it. Barrett has played quite a bit of Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Which is weird. Yeah. I Like, when you look at me, you're like, that guy's not a shooter guy. And I typically haven't been since the first Black Ops. And this is weirdly already, I, it just came out on Friday, and I've already put about nine to ten hours into this game for one, the first weekend of this game being out. That's crazy for me for a shooter. Mm -hmm. Like, Fortnite was the first shooter that I got over 100 hours in since Black Ops 1. Like, back in high school, uh, my one of my best friends like got me into I think it was Modern Warfare and then Black Black Ops came out and we just went very like hard into that just because I don't know it was just like a weird high school like shooter let's play this all the time kind of thing and there's a lot of fun modes that uh, Terry Arc uh, introduced in that first Black Ops and so playing Black Ops 4 and I didn't really like know a lot about it before the game came out and so it was a weird nostalgic thing where I didn't even go into blackout mode at first I just went to the regular uh, multiplayer and I was playing Team Death match and they brought back like old black ops one and two maps and i was like oh my god i remember like this map alone spending like 20 hours in like a bunch of different modes and whatnot and it was like uh jungle and summit and all that stuff so that was really fun and so um been having a lot of fun with that there are like some people on the uh on my twitter threads who like ever since um Oh, what's the Ubisoft game uh, where it's like the... Uh, They've had a few games. 4v4 four, four four, um, where for, it's like... Uh, for, for Honor? Honor? For, no, not Rainbow For Honor. Six Rainbow Six Siege. Rainbow Six Siege. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where like ever since... Ever since that game came out, they're like... Uh, like Rayman Legends? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Starlink hey, Battle for <laughs> uh, Ever since that game came out, like Call of Duty kind of feels like arcadey, like whereas that game is like more like intent and you have to like think about every like action that you're doing. And I kind of like that Call of Duty still has this arcadey feel, especially because they've gotten rid of a lot of like the crazy movement from Black Ops 2 and Black Ops 3. So it feels a little more of like the older pace of Black Ops and then still the arcadey stuff. And even though it is like a lot of like, all right, kill someone, die, respawn, kill someone, die, respawn, there was like a weird mentality in the middle of a game I had over the weekend where I was like, oh, I need to look at my mini map. Where are my, uh, where are my teammates right now? They're blocking these areas. 
that means that like probably two people are behind me and like three other people are over here. And that weird mentality that I've learned in Black Ops 1 like all came back and I had like a crazy like 18, uh, like 18-3 uh, match. Um, I think they're just like shooters. I don't though. That's the weird thing. Like, I I'm think, that, like I think you don't. Yeah, yeah, I think that just describes the shooter experience. Yeah. Um, so, it's so weird. Do you but, think yeah. it? It sounds like you're talking a lot about the nostalgia of the maps brought you back yes. and, and definitely hooked you. But like, what about Black Ops Four specifically right now? Do you think kept you playing? Because I feel like the nostalgia would keep you playing for an hour or so. But yeah. Obviously, you played for ten hours. Like, yeah. what made you? Want just, it, I, I think it's still the nostalgia that brought it back for me and that's keeping me hooked for for now like I'm going in and out of blackout because uh, I wasn't a huge PUBG player I think I played once before uh, this and I was really into Fortnite and so this is definitely a completely different pace from Fortnite what I'm used to in a battle royale game so uh, I've gotten like four or five matches where I get like second place I haven't gotten a win yet and it's frustrating me a lot so I like go back into multiplayer and do team deathmatch or uh, a couple of the other modes um, Wait, I have a very important question. What's up? Have you tried the emote trick on Blackout? I've heard about it, <laughs> but I refuse to do it. Oh, come on. You don't want to see what it looks like? <laughs> so you can like emote and it peeks you out around the corner and you don't get shot. Yeah, so basically when you emote, like the the entire mode is in first person. Uh, but when you emote, it takes you into a third person view. So you get a like wider view so you can look around a tree and whatnot uh, to see like uh, if enemies are peeking out and stuff. And uh, I've, I've seen people talk about it on Twitter. I was like, no, I refuse to do it. I refuse <laughs> to cheat like that. Um, we won't charge <laughs> <laughs> so it's been like a interesting like figuring out blackout and like i've mainly only been playing solo uh and i i really like it but it's definitely like a i'm still trying to figure it out of like this kind of forced first person way more kind of hardcore shooter game in a battle royale uh i want to try to like play more like squads uh like stuff um, get a couple people in there and have a little more fun because that's how i did with fortnite like figuring out that was like uh my friend was over and she's like oh let's play Fortnite and I was like uh, I've never played and we got together and we got a uh, group together and we played for hours and I was like oh I think after a couple right. hours like, I think I figured out this game where it's like just jumping into uh, Blackout solo I was like I don't know what I'm doing I, I played a ton <laughs> of Fortnite on my paternity leave which I was not expecting to do at all I just right. connected with it and yeah. was you know just put in like a hundred or so hours um, this really interests me because uh, first of all if like you're watching the whole battle royale thing go, go down and you're not interested um be like me and just try it. It is incredibly yeah. tense. It is genuinely some of the like most just sort of terrifyingly tense, scary moments <laughs> that you can have in a video game as the world gets smaller and there's just like you oh, and three yeah. people left on a map. Um, Blackout interests me because it's like it's taking away the perception you have all around you mm. and just giving you tunnel vision of first person. And Whereas in Fortnite, you can spin the camera around and be like, is anyone over there? Is anyone over yeah, there? Exactly. This, is, this is sort of a different scenario. So. And this one kind of stresses me out a little more because, because Call of Duty and just the gameplay play aspect of it uh, in general it is a lot of like oh if that person sees me first like I, I'm done mm -hmm. and it's kind of the frustrating thing I have with Blackout is like if someone sees me and I don't see them like I'm I'm screwed there's no fighting chance whereas like the thing I kind of like with Fortnite more is <clears throat> if someone else sees me I have the chance to build, and mm -hmm. I, there are other skills that I can adapt if, even if they see me first to kind of have a fighting chance there, whereas this, you're kind of just screwed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, 
but that's not to say I don't like Blackout. I really like Blackout. Um, I really like the multiplayer. Um, the one mode I have not gotten into yet is uh, zombies, and that's because I like to play zombies specifically with friends, and I have not uh, found a good friend, a friend group. Because you don't, yeah. I, I don't have <laughs> yeah, any friends. Beat me to it. Um, and so, like, just because, again, last time I played uh, Black Ops or Call of Duty, like, seriously, was in high school when, you know, I had my core friends, and those people moved on and don't play video games anymore, like real adults. Uh, so, yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I want to try to find a, a couple of good people to play zombies with before I jump into that. Sucks but, you don't work with anyone that loves video games. I know. Yeah, not many people here play them. There's like four people reviewing Call of Duty alone. Mm -hmm. in this I know. Yeah, interestingly enough, if you haven't heard, obviously, and you're looking for Call of Duty Black Ops 4 content on IGN, we're doing a little bit of a different review sort of scheme with this game. Uh, because these three modes are so sort of distinct from each other and right. you may really want to be playing zombies but not care at all about Blackout, for example. We have three separate reviews going mm. up for each of those and then we will have one review encapsulating all of those. Uh, the first review, which which was for zombies, was done by Dan Crowd from our AU team. Uh, Miranda Sanchez is doing the uh, traditional multiplayer review and then James Duggan will be doing the zombies review and then Miranda will then be... The blackout review. Excuse me, Blackout review. And then... Uh, gotcha. Then we will be compiling everything, and Miranda will be doing sort of a full focused review. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, taking a little bit of a different approach. Obviously, let us know how you feel about that yeah. as the reviews come out. Yeah, it's definitely and, an experiment. So and yeah. I, I definitely think like if if you don't think Blackout's for you, but you still like Call of Duty, I think you can still pick this up and still enjoy it and whatnot. So because you still have traditional multiplayer and some cool ass zombie stuff. And this has been known for a while, but there's no single player campaign in this game. Right. Yes. Um, from the sales numbers we've gotten so far, it doesn't seem like that's impacting literally anybody. No. Which is just one of those things where we're like, how dare you take that away? And then <laughs> ultimately, I guess people didn't want it. So yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah it had, I think, uh, the best digital download first days for this generation of yeah. Duty games. So it's doing obviously pretty well there. We don't know physical results, but we'll probably have a better we'll idea. We'll attribute it to Battle Royale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard to deny that. Yeah. Uh, Barrett, Obviously, we know you've been playing quite a bit of Call of Duty. Yeah. Uh, Tina and Brian, what have you guys been playing? Um, so I'm actually still going through Spider-Man, but I've put it on Ooh. hold uh, for... Um, I'm playing Assassin's Creed. Yes. Okay. Yes. Same. Um, yeah, you're playing that one too? <laughs> I'm still only a few hours in because I've been sick, and so I haven't been able to play too much, like, so sick where I can't even play a video game. Oh, that's, oh, that's, yeah, that's fun. Usually yeah. sick yeah. is the keyword for I need yeah. to play games. Come give me yeah. a hug. No, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm shockingly into it. You're fine. <laughs> uh, I'm shockingly into it because I, I just like, couldn't get through Origins. I played like 10 hours of that game and I heard it opens up at 15. So I guess I kind of just missed it. Mm -hmm. um, it's my heart. I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I love that never. game so much. I'm, I'm so, but that's the thing. Yeah. I don't want to like trudge through so much just to experience it. And I really right. think it's just the nature of like my job, my lifestyle. It's just difficult for me oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. to make the time for that kind of a thing where it takes that long before it opens up. But I, I feel like it's it's gotten a lot of the really good aspects of Origins of like being this really beautiful ancient world mm. um, and then some cool aspects of like Black Flag yep. uh, oh, yeah. because you fairly quickly get to like jump into your ship like into your, and like, like three or four hours and, in. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it doesn't feel like a lot of that stuff is held back at all. I'm, um, so I've been I, enjoying I it. I was kind of like irked with how sort of obtuse the first few hours felt. Like um, They drop a lot on you. Yeah. Like, yeah. It really it was even they hit you with a lot of information, yeah. but also not a lot of directions. And yeah. it took me, I'm still not in love with like the mini map or the way that sort of your weird 
thing that lines up your compass thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> it, it, it felt sort of directionless and aimless. And then I, it actually took me a little while to sort of have the game start to click a little bit. It's definitely one of my favorite games this year, but I don't feel like I'm in, I'm in, in love with it as much as everybody else is like something mm. like, I don't know if I look at like horizon or breath of the wild, those are open world games that clicked with me yeah. pretty quickly. Um, and this one, this one takes a little while. Yeah. So interesting it, because Breath of the Wild, like they kind of just throw you out into the world and you can kind of do your own thing. Whereas I actually felt more directed in Odyssey. I think that like Breath of the Wild is ultimately a much more minimalist game. And mm-hmm. so you're like, I don't really know where to go, but there's not so many options for, you know, you, this is right. not a minimalist. Game. No, yeah. not at all. This is that <laughs> it feels like there's no direction given, but yeah. also here's a million different activities that you can do right yeah, now. This it's is like, a Ubisoft uh, ass open world game. Oh, where yeah. There's just shit everywhere. And you're yeah. like, where do I go? How do I get this? Like, what there is, I but there? you can ignore all of it. You can. It's true. You want, which you is kind of yeah. what I've yeah. And a lot of it, I'm maybe like 45 hours in. I think you can ignore a lot of it, but there is a lot rewarding on the outskirts of it. And especially one of the systems that you get a little later, it's crazy that the game keeps introducing a lot of big things later in the game. Yeah, uh, Some of it has really changed the way I focus on that world, which I think has been really interesting, but I don't want to spoil that for... Yeah, I, I, I put 80 hours into it um, and finished up. Like, there's three, like, kind of main storyline things, and I finally finished those up, and I played 80 hours of that game in two weeks, and <laughs> my brain just kind of went away after that. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of on the same pace as you, Brian, where it's like... I really like it. It'll probably be one of my favorite games this year, but like I think there was like a lot of unnecessary bloat this time around. Yes. Where, uh, where I think Origins, even though the storytelling with Origins, and, you know, we talked about this uh, a couple beyonds ago, of like uh, I think the story was weird, like weird at the beginning, but I think the game experience was a little more tighter. There wasn't a lot of uh, as much unnecessary things to do. I appreciate how much you can horse everything in this game. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. you can just really horse all over everything. Yeah. Like you can walk walk in a town and somehow horse on top of a tent and just horse into the oh, sea. My horse you can horse like, some enemies I, too. I dislike that everyone really dramatically overreacts. Like I'm just going about my business. People are like, Whoa! Yeah, like I wasn't even close to you. Thank you very much. Like come on with your overreaction. Weirdly, if you hit here. them all, they do the very like cliched New Yorker. I'm walking here. Yeah. They all do that. They have like it's a great motion. Greek it's accent. Very, there's, yeah. there's that just like fake, everyone like, in the Eastern game. European Ubisoft guy voice who's always like, "What are you doing? I'm <laughs> trying to live. Where Let's is go the wine? I sell broken pots for a living. Get your freaking horse out of here!" Yeah, Thanks that for guy. Censoring yourself it's, in the accent, I appreciate. I had to at least once this <laughs> yeah, whole episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in addition to Assassins, I've also been playing. They're both out this week. Uh, Lego DC Super Villains, which if you've played a Lego game, this is it's also a Lego. A, it's game. a Lego game. Uh, it still has a really great voice cast, like Mark Hamill's back as the Joker. Obviously, Tara Strong is doing Harley Quinn. Uh, and just like the full voice cast that I've seen already, I'm maybe like two hours in. They just keep throwing characters at you. It's a very fun setup for the game. It's essentially like the Justice League is taken away by this other world's Justice League, but they're not mm-hmm. good people. Uh, and so it, it's a Lego game. If you played them, they're great for co-op. They're great for people who have a collectathon itch. Uh, nothing mind blowing with it, but it's been a really satisfying one so far. Uh, and also just hearing Mark Hamill's The Joker is consistently wonderful. How's the humor? I can't wait to start this. It's really, it's been really funny so far. Uh, it is that sort of like cheesy Telltale, or uh, what are... Too soon. Uh, yeah. TT. Traveler's TT, Hill. thank you. Wow, yeah, it's been too soon. Um, <laughs> they have that classic tone that they've nailed with all the Lego games so far, but especially with this particular voice cast, I feel like they're nailing even the cheesiest of jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also they've had this in a couple of the past games, but you get to essentially create your own villain which uh-huh. is really fun. Wow, I'm the video. Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, what's really great is, oh, you pick your powers. Uh, you also 
it weirdly makes so much more sense in the world of a Lego game because in a Lego game you were destroying everything. And so it makes sense as a villain that you're actually destroying everything to get the right. Stats. So it kind of makes more sense in the world. Not that the Ludo narrative dissonance of Lego games is a big, yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's what kept <laughs> oh, me what from it, them for exactly. years. Well, don't worry, Barrett. Now you <laughs> can play. Awesome. You. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't destroy ops. his own cave. <laughs> what, uh, how's the overworld in this one? Cause I felt like the recent, uh, Marvel game yeah. that came out. I feel like it was almost too much. Yeah, this one's a little disconcerting. If only, for the fact that the Lego Marvel Superheroes 2, mm. it felt there was an openness to it. There was like an open air to it. It was very bright and you could see like the distinct neighborhoods. Right. Uh, here you have sort of Gotham and Metropolis uh, combined with each other. You take just like a nice little rail car. Oh. The one, But because you don't inherently know those cities as well or those locations aren't as like clearly defined, I was like, am I in a place that's important or not? Like I, <laughs> there's the Daily Planet, I guess, but I'm not sure if I know this area or not. So uh, getting a little more used to like the overworld itself, I'm not like, oh my God, I know this world and can't wait to explore it. But it's, gotcha. been, it's been good so far. Cool. Uh, uh, the other game I was playing over the weekend was Starlink Battle for Atlas, uh, which is a, another Ubisoft game. It's sort of Ubisoft light. It's definitely clearly marketed towards kids. It's sort of a spacefaring game where your ship can go from outer space to also on land. Mm. It essentially has that like no man's sky ability to go from one to the other. Right. Uh, but it's very much like Ubisoft open world game. You get to a planet, you have X many towers to find or like these many enemy types to find, this many places to open, things like that. I'm going to hit you with a hard hitting question here. Yeah. Is this game worth playing without having Star Fox in it? I don't... If you only have a PS4... Not at this time of year. If this game came out in like July and there wasn't really much going on, I'd be like, yeah, this is a really fun, like entertaining enough mm -hmm. thing. But I think especially the Star Fox hook to it on the Nintendo Switch version, if you have a Switch, there's no reason not to get the Switch version. And also if you don't care about the physical ship, so this game has that Toys to Life aspect to it, if you yeah. don't care about having a physical ship with you to play, which uh, you have that ship on your controller and that's the ship you control, you can buy the digital deluxe version of this game and it comes with like all of the pilots, all the ships, or like a, you can buy a large portion of them. Mm -hmm. for the same price as buying the physical version. Cool. So that really enhances that version of the game. And also this came out last week, but Merc the Ninja Remastered is available. If you have not played that game, play that damn game. It's I love so that good. game. I yeah. refuse. It's fantastic. Yeah. What? Get out. <laughs> Barrett, why do we let you on the show? I don't Seriously. know. Uh, so yeah. just love shooters. <laughs> Classic shooter genre. Barrett. Yeah, do, do I get to shoot guns in this do game? Do you want to play Halo? We'll, we'll go on unlocked How dare you mention that name here? <laughs> Who are you, Brandon Tyrell? Uh, in addition to what's been out this week, we have some new things. Uh, new. So we're going to show you something pretty cool right now. Play the tape. We have a new logo. Yeah. You may notice it in the background. If you're listening to the audio version of the show, that may have been a weird pause for you. You can't see anything <laughs> new. Uh, but yeah, you can notice, obviously, we have on the monitors in the studio here. If you're listening to the audio version, please check it out. We have a new version of the Beyond logo. Uh, you'll be seeing it appearing with the show going forward. And we talked a lot about this behind the scenes of like, why do a logo change? Obviously, people know this logo with the show for a very long time. Right. And a lot of the discussion came from the idea that we don't want to dishonor the legacy of the show that's come before it. But I think that logo itself is also very synonymous with the legacy of the show. Yeah. Right. And we want to be able to have that, that logo and that legacy of the show exist together. Obviously, we're trying to do some new things, trying to experiment with the show a little bit, and we want the logo to reflect the new show itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a sign of the times, you know? Like, we officially introduced you as the official host last week, and now we're doing some uh, some logo changes and whatnot, and then next week we'll, um, we'll make Brian grow hair. And that, you know. Good luck. <laughs> the show is really changing. 
Uh, but yeah, so we have a new uh, look around here. Again, as we said last week with some of these changes, we're not trying to dramatically change the show that you know and love. We're not trying to completely reinvent it. It's the about wheel. Xbox now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about cereal. It's just a breakfast show now. I would not mind that. I would love yeah, that. Actually, that'd be I great. have a lot to say about cereal. Same here. We can do Good breakfast time. beyond. Beyond breakfast. Ooh, I, like Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I guess if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, I guess we you could just imagine a new logo. <laughs> yeah, just pretend it is whatever you want. Maybe it doesn't even say Beyond. Here, and, uh, we'll, and we'll update. It's like those like, coexist his, bumper stickers. But, yeah. It's actually um, just Bed Bath now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when we're not podcasting on your favorite show, Bed Bath, Barrett, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SadboyBarrett. Oh, you sad boy. Tina, where can people find you? Uh, Tina Meany. And Brian, where can people find you? At Agent Bizzle. And I am at J.M. Dornbush. As always, a reminder, Beyond has changed our schedule a little bit, so if you're used to hearing the show on a certain day, Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com. That's when you can see new episodes. They're there for 24 hours before they're anywhere else. You can expect to find them on YouTube and everywhere else. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific at youtube.com slash Beyond and whatever podcast services you're used to listening to. Yeah. Uh, but that has been Beyond, episode 563. Thank you all so much for joining me, and Beyond. 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 Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.